Is Vladimir Putin committing genocide in Ukraine? President Biden says. Yes. Here at home. They knew it was unlawful. They did it anyway. Is there enough evidence to make a criminal charge against Donald Trump for his role in the attack on the Capitol? And inflation and a new COVID variant both picking up speed. I'm Paul Brandis. You're listening to West Wing Reports from Washington. It's Friday, April 15th. Russia's brutal war on Ukraine. President Biden, for the first time, says Vladimir Putin is committing genocide, an upgrade of his assessment of what Putin and his troops are doing. I called it genocide because it's become clearer and clearer that Putin is just trying to wipe out the idea of even being able to be a Ukrainian. And uh, the the evidence is mounting. It's different than it was last week. The more evidence is coming out of the literally the horrible things that the Russians have done in Ukraine. And we're going to only learn more and more about the devastation. And uh, we'll let the lawyers decide internationally whether or not it qualifies. But it sure seems that way to me. Who needs lawyers to decide what's going on? There's plenty of evidence. Bodies everywhere, victims tied up and executed. Stories of women and girls raped and then killed. Genocide, by the way, is defined as the systematic and widespread extermination or attempted extermination of a national, racial, religious, or ethnic group. All this could get even worse. Putin, the Kremlin dictator, has now appointed a new commander in Ukraine when the U.S. official calls the Russian general, quote, the worst of the worst, known for his deliberate targeting of hospitals, schools, and apartment buildings in Syria. And another sign that Putin could be getting more desperate, there have been reports that the Russians have used chemical weapons in Syria. Some context here, they have used them in the past in Syria, for example. But Pentagon spokesman John Kirby cannot say for sure whether they have been used now. We cannot confirm these reports uh, of the uh, that, that, that have been emanating on social media about the use of potential uh, uh, chemical agents uh, through, a, I, I think, uh, the social media reporting was a, through the use of a drone or something like that. And we just are not able to confirm it. We're obviously taking it seriously and we're monitoring it. We're trying to do the best we can to, to figure out uh, what, if anything, happened. But we're not in a position to confirm it right now. Kirby chose his words quite carefully here, as he always does. Again, the Russians and Putin have used chemical weapons in the past. No question about that. Meanwhile, President Biden has also ordered about $800 million in military aid to Ukraine. This is specific and more lethal stuff that Ukraine has asked for. Helicopters, artillery, and switchblade drones, a particularly nasty weapon. Ukrainian President Zelensky says it'll all be put to good use. Meantime, a huge embarrassment for the Russians. The pride of their navy, the warship Moskva, has sunk in the Black Sea after being hit by a Ukrainian missile. 
Well, here at home, here's a tragic, in fact, dangerous irony. Most Americans support helping Ukraine defend its democracy from Putin's brutal invasion, and yet many Americans still do not see or cannot accept the growing danger to our own democracy right here. The January 6th Commission continues to investigate the attack on the Capitol and now says there may be enough evidence against then-President Trump to charge him with a crime. Here's Wyoming Republican Liz Cheney speaking with CNN's Jake Tapper. ...about referrals uh, on the committee. I think that it is absolutely the case. It's absolutely clear that um, what President Trump uh, was doing, uh, what, what a number of people around him were doing, that they knew it was unlawful, they did it anyway. I think you certainly saw that in the decision uh, that was issued by Judge Carter a few weeks ago, uh, where he concluded that uh, it was more likely than not that the President of the United States was engaged uh, uh, in criminal activity. Uh, I think what we have seen is a massive and well-organized and well-planned uh, effort that used multiple tools to try to overturn an election. Uh, you've seen just in the last few days uh, a, a plea agreement from one of the leaders of the Proud Boys, which, which lays out in really chilling detail the extent to which violence was planned, um, the extent to which uh, the message that went out on December 19th about the planning, about the rally in Washington, and don't forget, Donald Trump tweeted out that message, be, be there, be wild, um, that the day after that message, uh, the organization and the planning started, and, and that they understood, that they knew that they were going to attempt to use violence to try to stop the transfer of power. That is the, the definition of an insurrection, mm -hmm. uh, and it is, it is absolutely chilling. And just to be clear, you've seen this evidence, and you believe President Trump committed these two crimes. Uh, I, what I've just quoted to you is a public document. It is the plea agreement in the, the Donahoe case. Uh, everybody can look at it. I, I would highly recommend everybody does look at it. It's the statement of offense in that plea agreement. Uh, the committee has uh, obviously been focused very much, has got a, a tremendous amount of testimony and documents um, that I think very, very clearly demonstrate the extent of the planning and the organization and the objective, uh, and, and the objective was absolutely to try to stop the count of electoral votes, to try to interfere with that official proceeding. And it's absolutely clear that they knew what they were doing was wrong. They knew that it was unlawful, and they did it anyway. Meantime, Trump's former White House chief of staff, Mark Meadows, has been accused of voter fraud in North Carolina. I think that's what you might call ironic. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.
Ouch, that's a way to describe the latest inflation data, which shows prices for everything up, especially energy. In March, prices rose at an annual rate of 8.5%. That's the highest since 1981, when Ronald Reagan was president. But Joe Biden's the president now. In Iowa, he said easing rules that will allow more gas to be made with ethanol, corn is an ingredient, should help bring prices down. Even if it's an extra buck or two in the pockets that they fill up will make a difference in people's lives. Even before that announcement, gasoline prices were headed south. AAA says average nationwide prices have fallen 24 cents over the past month to 407 a gallon. The flip side of all this is that this type of gas is usually banned in the summer to help prevent air pollution. These are the choices we currently have to make. More pollution in return for saving a little bit at the pump. Advocates for electric cars say all of this makes their case for cars running on electricity, electricity generated by natural gas. And there's this question, could all this inflation spark a recession. On Fox Business, Jason Furman, who was President Obama's economic advisor, says probably not. It's hard to see how we go from where we are right now, which is 500,000 jobs a month and very strong demand, um, to a recession. Um, the thing the Fed's trying to do is cool down demand right now. There's so much extra demand out there that there's a lot of room to do that with, without causing a recession. So I'm not super bearish on the economy in that respect. I'm just more worried about what the inflation means for people's real wages. In other words, the big worry is that everyone's getting a raise, just not enough of a raise to keep up with inflation. Other news this week, the pandemic just will not go away. The so-called BA2 strain is now the dominant variant around the world. One major U.S. city, Philadelphia, has now gone back to indoor mask mandates for public places, schools, and daycare facilities, unless you can prove you're fully vaccinated. And mask mandates for air travel have been extended through May 3rd. Getting on a plane, you'll need a mask. All this is nothing compared with what's going on in China, though. This has been completely overshadowed by the war in Ukraine. But China, population 1.4 billion, has shut down entire cities, this affects you and causes still more inflation, by the way, because it slows down global supply chains. And now let's hear about another Evergreen podcast that I know you'll enjoy. A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read. Well, time now to open up the West Wing Reports archives and see what made history this week in the past. 1865, Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, shot in the head while attending a play at Ford's Theater here in Washington. He was carried across the street to a boarding house where he died hours later. 
Andrew Johnson of Tennessee, became the 17th president, and not a very good one. We interrupt this program to bring you a special news bulletin from CBS World News. A press association has just announced that President Roosevelt is dead. The president died of a cerebral hemorrhage. All we know so far is that the president died at Warm Springs in Georgia. 1945, the death of Franklin D. Roosevelt. Historians say the greatest president of the 20th century, the man who led America through both the Great Depression and World War II. He was only 63 when he died, but had been elected president four times. After his death, the Constitution was changed. Now you can only be elected twice. 1969, a U.S. spy plane was shot down by North Korea, all 31 Americans on board killed. President Richard Nixon did not retaliate. The U.S. was up to its neck in Vietnam at the time. The prospect of a second war in Asia was too much, but Nixon did order reconnaissance flights to resume three days later. One more history. Check out my books on Amazon. I'll sign them for you, too. Just shoot me an email, pbrandis at evergreenpodcasts.com. And need a speaker for your event. I do that, too. Current events, economics, analysis, history. I connect the dots and would love to hear from you. Speaking of books, by the way, I'll send you one if you download my new app. It's called West Wing Reports, available in Apple and Android stores. All you have to do is download it on your phone or tablet. There's a button called What's on Your Mind. All you do is push, talk, and send. That's it. Leave a comment and your name goes into a drawing for any of my books, your choice. I like to end each week with a quote, something you might find thoughtful this week. It's from Franklin D. Roosevelt. He said, quote, we cannot always build the future for our youth, but we can build our youth for the future. Think about it. That's all for this week. Again, my email, pbrand, is at evergreenpodcasts.com. West Wing Reports is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Special thanks to C-SPAN and Fox Business for the audio clips. Our producer, sound designer, and engineer, Noah Fouts. Executive producers, Michael DeAloya and Gerardo Orlando. I'm Paul Brandis in Washington. Thanks so much for listening. Happy Easter. See you next week. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.